Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. Uh, just, just a note here. Uh, late Saturday night, we all did a live stream with the Bulwark staff where we talked about our reactions. And you'll be able to hear the the last 11 minutes of that. We're going to tack it on to the end of the podcast. And this is the, the raw history. This is what we were thinking when it was very, very fresh. Very, when We were adapting to the final call of the presidential election. And it came after, um, I think, safe to say, a certain amount of uh, celebration. So you get to hear this raw, raw history. So stay tuned for the end of this. And you'll hear not just JVL, but Mona Charon, Amanda Carpenter, Jim Swift, Sonny Bunch, Tim Miller, Bill Crystal, and I reacting, sort of summing up uh, our reaction to this election. Uh, but because, of course, that was for Bulwark Plus, we wanted to sort of get the band back together again this morning. And so joining me now on this Monday, I, I, I won't say hangover, but it doesn't feel like a hangover. Uh, joining me on this Monday podcast, we have JVL, Bill Crystal, and Sarah Longwell. Thank you all for coming back and joining me. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Okay, I just want a couple of things here. I, I just want to w- once again remark that I can't get over the fact that this all ended really at the Four Seasons Landscaping Company. I mean, I just this is the best story ever. And every historian of 2020 has to have this detail. And, and can I just read the, the lead in the Philadelphia Inquirer? Please. What began five years ago with a made-for-TV announcement of Donald Trump's presidential ambitions from the escalator of his ritzy Manhattan high-rise ended Saturday Ended Saturday, with his aging lawyer shouting conspiracy theories and vowing lawsuits in a northeast Philadelphia parking lot near a sex shop and a crematorium. This is just so perfect that, that, you, that you have... All of it comes to to an end. Okay, so let's talk about where where we're at here. We have the the Dow Jones is up sixteen hundred points, um, which has really got to be making Donald Trump's day. Republicans are continuing uh, to not say anything about the the election. Uh, Trump is refusing to concede and planning various legal efforts. But I I have to tell you guys, since we talked on for on Saturday, one of the things that really strikes me is how fast. And decisively, the sense of political reality has shifted in this country that I think that Donald Trump thought that we were going to go into this period of real confusion and everything It was going to be like Florida 2000. Instead, I'm looking at the front pages of all the newspapers and everything's Biden, 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 the world leaders who came forward, including uh, Bibi Netanyahu, which had to hurt uh, the prime minister of of India, who was kind of a, a buddy of of, of Donald Trump, uh, Boris Johnson congratulating him. So it's it's like the world has just moved on in a very decisive way. And I, I'm, I'm guess guessing that that must be very disconcerting for Donald Trump, who probably thought that he could play this string out. And we'll try to continue to play it out. But um, is even Rich Lowry from National Review said the longer he, he holds out, the more disconnected from reality he's going to be. So let's go around the horn and talk about where we are at right now, your reaction to the the election. And so let's start with you, Bill. I'm cheerful, but I guess I'm a little more alarmed than maybe I should be and a little more annoyed than I should be. But maybe that's just the way I am now, you know, kind of crotchety and uh, whatever. I'm alarmed because, you know, the legal challenges aren't going to prevail, but they could cause a fair amount of trouble in the short term and the transition will be delayed apparently at trump's order and you know again all that's manageable you know will they get it all serious about covid which is really an 
a terrible situation and getting worse. So I'm I'm sort of not quite as sort of willing to be simply be jubilant. It's probably just my, as I say, my sort of dour uh, personality or something, and and uh, worrying a little too much about it. and the damage that these election challenges and all the rhetoric will do to 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 the public sense and uh, and the to the Republican Party in terms of going forward. Are they supposed to try to make the country work over the next four years, be a loyal and responsible opposition, or are they just going to go into full uh, Biden, you know, Biden's sort of semi-legitimate and we just suppose everything and in every Republican primary, we'll support the Trumpiest candidate. So that part alarms me. And in that respect, um, that fits into what annoys me, which is the degree of Republican. They're not really mostly going Trumpy, but they're certainly going sort of, gee, I, I don't want to criticize the president for being totally irresponsible. Adam White has an excellent piece of the bulwark this morning on this theme. The damage that's done by taking a kind of very narrow legalistic view, well, Trump's entitled to pursue his legal remedies. It's sort of like it's a bankruptcy. You sort of understand the guy who's going under is going to launch some frivolous lawsuits. He's president of the United States. The damage that, that could be done, again, to our civic structure uh, by this kind of indulgence of his irresponsibility is not trivial. And the fact that Republicans, with very few exceptions, really, are unwilling to call him out makes me worried about the future, that we've mm-hmm. had endless discussion about, you know, is the Republican Party salvageable or not? How, how responsible is it going to be? I don't know. I wouldn't say this not a good start. Days, these first few days don't 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 reassure me on that front. But but a lot of that is performative butt kissing, isn't it? I mean, at least we we knew that that Donald Trump was not going to concede easily. We we knew that this might be an election month. What and I don't disagree with anything you just said there. But at least I'm sitting here now, going, you know, the, the, their fantasy of having this election decided by the Supreme Court is just a fantasy. That's not going to be Gore versus Bush. So yes, they're going to continue doing this. Maybe they'll even have rallies and everything. But you know, that's not going to. That at least is not going to to happen. So Sarah Longwell. On Saturday, you admitted, and it's a very powerful part of this. I hope people can stick around for the, the the live stream because you actually gave me goosebumps. But you 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 reacted very you know strongly to the you know this the final the, the relief of the final re- result. So where where are we at this morning, Monday morning? Yeah, well, I agree with a lot of what Bill said. You know, I've been pouring through uh, the data that's available, which still isn't great, unfortunately, because the results are trickling in so slowly. But, um, you know, I had really expected more, you know, I mean, I think it's, I am, I am, I am, I am so relieved that uh, Joe Biden, you know, pulled this out. But as I was saying on the live stream on Saturday, you know, he did some incredibly impressive things. He flipped Georgia. He flipped Arizona. Um, he built that blue wall back. But all of them by, you know, pretty narrow margins. You know, some of them were talking about 10,000 votes. Pennsylvania, which looks to be one of the bigger ones, is by about 45,000 votes, although we're still waiting for some Philadelphia numbers to come in. Um, you know, the, the, the Michigan uh, win was bigger with, you know, about 125,000. But, you know, those are not... Those are still not blowout numbers. They're kind of the reverse of what Trump got last time, which means that, you know, his his hold on the Republican Party is is pretty deep. And um, I'm concerned about that. I also am just reflecting on, you know, sometimes, you know, I think we all got a little swept up 
uh, towards the end there, feeling like there was going to be this total collapse of Trump because of coronavirus and because of the racial crisis and how bad things had gone over the summer. You know, that the idea that his his supporters might be you know, just a little less enthusiastic um, going into the election. But uh, and I really, you know, from doing all the focus groups, I had always sort of focused on these college educated um, suburban voters, especially women. And while they did break pretty decisively against Trump, you know, the non-college women who I always sort of thought would come along and who the polling was showing was eroding, a lot of those stuck it out. And so, um, and ended up, you know, I think, I think somebody actually asked this question on the live stream and I, I disputed it in real time, but I went back and looked, it is, it is looking like Donald Trump may have won again, white women. women. And so anyway, I just, just all of this to say that this is, there is a lot more to do here than I think we might've thought. Um, but it's still, it just, it took absolutely every piece of work that every group yes. did, both on turnout and persuasion, because it was it was narrow. JVL. Yeah, I I'm in a much darker place than I was on Saturday. Ooh, uh, because uh, that you were you were uncharacteristically shiny, sunny. Yeah, no, it felt JVL very in a darker place. I can't I can't mm. believe it. Wow. We we have a picture of you smiling. I know, I know. We're gonna hear okay. that. Okay, so I. I have spent some time looking around at institutional Republican world and the extent to which even people like Tim Scott refusing to say anything and dog whistling about legal votes and, you know, got to got to take these allegations very, very seriously. And what is happening right now is that Donald Trump has very cleverly created another loyalty test yes. for the Republican Party. And because the Republican Party is passing this loyalty test, he is binding the Republican voters more tightly to himself and creating more power for this is the, in the same way that everybody. The reason people got so passionate about Trump is because they knew they were wrong to do it. And having been in the wrong post-election, they're going to keep doubling down on this as well. And I, I have said this before, but I truly do believe it, that the article of faith is going to be. Donald Trump won the election. Donald Trump won all of the legal votes cast, and it was only the handful of illegal votes that pushed Joe Biden over the top. And that this is going to be the price of admission for anybody who wants to play at the highest levels of Republican politics or within the uh, you know, mainstream parts of conservatism make. You, you just aren't going to be allowed to say, yeah, you know, like Joe Biden got seven million more votes than Donald Trump and beat him pretty decisively in a handful of swing states. Like that, that will be apostasy. Apostasy. I don't even know how you pronounce it. Um, I always pronounce it apostasy, but, but I don't know. I don't. I'll let you guys. Yeah. Too. So that that has me very concerned. And then I'm I'm also concerned just in the logistics of the next seventy four days. So the Washington Post today has a story about how the administrator of the GSA has refused to right. sign on to create uh, the transition. And this is one of those things which has always been done as a matter of course, because as I keep saying, our entire government is run on the honor system. And once somebody realizes, hold on, I don't care about the honor system. Uh, wh why, why should anybody in the federal government sign such a document, right? I mean, and, and this is going to happen in a cascade across all the levels. And I don't want to sound like a crazy person with his hair on fire, 
but I feel like we are actually still in the midst of a government crisis and heading towards the possibility, still an outside possibility, of an actual constitutional crisis here. And I, I will not feel better about it until we have an actual handover of the government. Wow, I, I I find myself being the the sunniest person here. I don't disagree with the concerns that you, that you're raising here. And by the way, I, I was this was a question that I had all weekend: as uh, well, who has to sign the document that triggers the actual formal transition? I mean, it's it's one thing to you know have Donald Trump hiding out in the in in the bunker in the White House, but it turns out that it is the administer administrator of the GSA who has to sign that paper. It's never been controversial before. It's never nobody's. Nobody knew it because it was automatic. It was, I was some reading. Somebody was involved in a, in a transition who said that they got a call that went to voicemail at one a.m. after the election day or whatever. Because of course, this always took place. This is also an administrator of the GSA who has looked the other way um, for a variety of Trumpian things, including the Trump Hotel. So that's not a good. That's not a good omen. Also, there's real damage that can be done by delaying all of this. The only time we've had a really substantial delay in the past was the 2000 election, uh, which went right up to the the Electoral College. So these are all concerns. And I, I, I it is the damage being done to the legitimacy of our democracy is 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 very real. But let me just just turn things a, a little bit, just, you know, a little bit. Sarah, you're, you're right about how the, this should not have been this close. I was reading one of the articles, one of the TikTok articles about the last f- several months of the campaign, and I actually stopped halfway through saying this shouldn't have been this hard. It should not have been in doubt in any way whatsoever. And so that does raise those questions. But in the end, this is going to be a substantial victory. Uh, Joe Biden's going to get 306 electoral votes. He will actually get more electoral votes than Donald Trump actually got because Donald Trump only got 304 because there were two faithless electors. So don't, so don't uh, email me about that. Um, and he's, and he's going to lose the, and Joe Biden will win the, the popular vote by 7 million. That's not nothing. Also, I do think that this, the, the, the way in which we've, we've kind of moved on from Trump, it, yes, you're going to continue to have Trumpism, but Trumpism is going to feel very tinny for at least a while. Now, I think there's going to be tremendous problems which I'm willing to talk about later this week, I could see the Trump folks starting their version of the Tea Party ne- early next year with the rallies, the Trump Party, if in fact Biden moves aggressively on the coronavirus or a mask mandate. I, may, I could see these, these, these mass demonstrations. I think it's going to be ugly. I, I expect it's going to be hyper-partisan and everything. But I have to tell you, I'm still kind of, you know, enjoying the moment of thinking about what it's like to have a president of the United States who doesn't sound like a complete asshole. You know, who, who doesn't sound like a lunatic, who is, is going to pay attention to the science, who is going to make rational comments, um, who is not going to offend our sensibilities on a regular basis. I guess I'm, well, at least for the moment, I want to just sit back and go, oh my God, it's like, you know, maybe Trumpism was a little bit of a parenthesis, this little moment of insanity. I mean, I'll get over it. I, I, I'm i prepared to get over it. But um Guys, we've worked very hard to get to this moment. I mean, I, I told you on, on Saturday night that I calculated that the length of time between uh, Donald Trump coming down the escalator and Saturday it was 1,972 days. And I'm guessing that every one of us did not have a single day in that nearly 2,000 days. We didn't think about Donald Trump, talk about Donald Trump, write about Donald Trump, to go on television or radio or podcasts about Donald Trump. And 
you know, at, at least let, let's let's recognize he hit the trifecta. He's a one-term president. He lost the popular vote twice. He was impeached. Nobody else hit all of those things. And I'm guessing his post-presidency is going to be equally shambolic. So I, you know, I was not expecting to be the ray of sunshine on the podcast this morning, but I'm I'm planting my flag there. But okay, JVL, you've been arguing about this for some time that Trump is going is not going anywhere, that he's going to keep his hold over Trump uh, over the Republican Party. And I think you're right about that. And I think people do need to understand that though, that that Trump is Trumpism was not ex- exorcised last week. And so Donald Trump's going to stick around. What r- specific role do you think Donald Trump will play, say, over the next year or so? Uh, I think he will essentially have an executive branch in exile, and he will be the focal point for the resistance, hashtag resistance against Biden, especially on COVID stuff, uh, because this is a way in which he can force the Biden administration to fail. And here, here's a real, a very real question for you, Charlie. I, I expect that in the next week or two, we're going to get some polling asking Republican voters what percentage of them think that Trump won the election? What what number do you think that's going to be? What what percentage of Republican voters will oh, say that geez. Donald Trump won the election? Because if it's if it's above like twenty percent, it's going to mean that it will be virtually impossible for any Republican. Uh, no, I agree with Congress, Congress people to cooperate with Biden on anything. Oh, I think it's going to be above forty percent. What do you think, uh, Sarah I, Bill? Yeah, JVL and I talked about this earlier this morning, and yeah, I sort of thought that I picked the same number, 40, 40, 50, maybe. I'm less confident or less less certain, I guess, or less uh, convinced than JVL that this means that, I mean, 40 or 50 is not 80 or 100, and I think there'll be conflicting pressures on Republicans on the Hill, and I think Trump could fade some. But I can make arguments that, you know, there's a sort of semi-happy scenario, uh, and then there's a very worrisome scenario in terms of the future of the Republican Party. I was thinking of writing something uh, uh, this morning that sort of a, uh, my head tells me, well, what's the Pascal thing? You know, the, the heart has its reasons, that yeah. the, the head doesn't understand it, reason doesn't understand it. My head tells me we need to, look, it's better to have, you got to move on. you got us a little bit of forgive and forget, a little bit of letting people be uh, cowardly these next 70 days, and then he's gone. And the one thing I would say about JBL's point is it's not JBL says, like, you know, he'll have an executive branch in exile. It's not that easy to have an executive branch in exile because the executive branch actually is a real thing, you know? And you can say, I'd like to have a rally with 25,000 people in, in Macon, Georgia. But you know what? If you have the White House and it's a semi official event and you have White House advance and Air Force One and everything, it's a lot. Of, and the Republican Party, your call, your beck and call. If, if Donald Trump, private citizen, in April, this is the Tea Party question, Charlie, really, in April of 2021, says, I want to have a rally in Macon, Georgia. I don't know. Does everyone show up? Does the party help him? He doesn't have the official ability to kind of, you know, use the police forces, don't shut the roads down for him. I mean, he's no longer president. That, I think, is the biggest thing on the other side of the equation. But getting back to my heart and my head, but in terms of the Republican Party going ahead, uh, going forward, my head says, you know, probably better to sort of uh, put recon- put the cause of reconciliation above the cause of truth, if I can put it that way. You know, kind of let's just a little forgive and forget. My heart, I've got to say, though, says to me, oh, they're so they're still behaving so miserably. 
Oh, and I don't, and I don't really. I, other people should go reconcile with them. Other people should work with them. It's actually important to do. But can I personally feel like I want to be sitting down with them and thinking no. about the conservative future? I, I just can't get there. So here, I here's the shorter term question: is 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 how do they get out of the cul-de-sac that they're in? Because right now, um, you know, they're they're all afraid to acknowledge that the election's over. The election is over. There's no doubt whatsoever. Uh, Donald Trump himself will never actually concede that he he lost, but he might, you know, basically bow to reality. I, I guess he's kind of trapped himself, hasn't he? And and the, and the rest of the Republicans. I mean, if you're if you're Kevin McCarthy, at some point you have to acknowledge that Joe Biden is the president of the United States, right? Um, you, Why you have right? Why Why does he have to? I I actually well don't. because January twentieth is going to come around. So at what point are they going to do it? You're I mean, in the they, they, in the house. I mean, you could they, just keep you could just keep saying like he, he stole the election. I mean, we're not going to work with him. Sarah, do you do see? I mean, no, I, I sort of, this, I sort is, of, this is a problem. You know? Yeah, it, it, look, it's a problem, but I'm not sure that it's the same. I, I'm not sure. I think it's the same problem that the JBL does. So I think the JBL is right. I think that you you could say like if you do a poll you know a month from now or, or that people will say oh this was stolen that there'll be some percentage of people that do that but people's memories for better or for worse are pretty short around politics like i do think that over time like donald trump can't stay in the white house like charlie you are correct that institutionally people are moving on and and you do have to separate the difference between the ardent Trump supporters who are going to go down with the ship and the other people who voted for him for whatever their reasons, um, but aren't like, they're like, yeah, Joe Biden won. Like, let's move on. The other thing is you got a lot of these, you know, uh, local election officials, you know, the lieutenant governor in Georgia, who's a Republican, uh, you know, coming out saying, look, there's no irregularities here. And I think that uh, the Trump guys are going to try to keep the narrative alive that there were, but so far nobody has produced any real evidence, and that is going to matter. And over time, Donald Trump is not going to be the president, and the country is going to move on to some degree. He will keep hold, and it's funny, you know, you look at the people who are like going out of their way to really dive into his narrative. Who is it? It's the people who have deeply tied their political futures to Donald Trump, right? Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, even people like Marco Rubio, people who think, hey, I might want to run for president again and I'm going to need this guy. Uh, but over time, um, like they may still do that. But like the bulk of people whose futures are not tied to Donald Trump uh, will start to move on. And I just I just don't think that they can sustain as a loser Uh the hold on the the party. I think they will maintain one. I'm not saying that they won't. I just, I think it will diminish as time goes on. No, I hard well, disagree. Know. Yeah, I know. I think part of it though is, is do remember how, how short attention spans are. And no, I, 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 I'm, I am torn. I am torn on this. I mean, at some point they, they do have to acknowledge it and whether it's the, the electoral college vote or whatnot, uh, you know, once that GSA document is signed, but Trump has made it very difficult. Trump has made it very difficult to, you know, w- once he's backed into a corner to, to acknowledge all of this and we don't know what the Republican party will do. And so Bill, you know, part of it is that, you know, I, I, I guess I, I didn't expect the Republican Party to show any moral leadership or courage during this particular period. And maybe they were just waiting on Trump to give them the signal that it's okay. Uh, But it is striking that none of them is coming out. And I will say, though, that, you know, it's one thing for people to be cowardly. But some of the comments over the weekend by Newt Gingrich, 
and by Lindsey Graham, I mean, were unhinged from guys who, and this is why I hold them to a different standard, they know better. Newt Gingrich knows how elections actually run. And he's sitting there talking about, you know, the corruption and the George Soros. So the level of his mendacity and his dishonesty is 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 pretty off the charts even by the standards of this era no i think that i had the exact same thought that i mean it's one thing for someone who doesn't really understand how it works and is reading some kind of semi-crackpot stuff online and thinks maybe they really did steal the votes that weren't observers in philadelphia what is all this late ballot stuff and what's a provisional ballot newt gingrich knows extremely well how american elections work and he is just lying and he is purposely lying and he is stirring up uh, discontent with our system and with the incoming president. Again, I, I think we're having the right discussion here in the sense that we just don't know, of course. I mean, how think how much time heals, so to speak, and people get to move along, how much Republican elected officials decide. I mean, there are a lot of concrete choices. This, this won't be resolved in a theoretical debate. It'll be resolved yeah. when let's take take COVID. Trump can be against Biden, but the truth is if Biden says, I want a lot of money here for PPE and for testing and for economic stimulus to tide us over until the vaccine really works, are Republicans really going to oppose that? Or is every Republican going to oppose it? Is McConnell going to whip Republicans against it? Or is it going to be a kind of fractured vote where some budget hawks vote against it and others say that's a reasonable proposal? Biden says, let's legalize the dreamers which has been a Republican, you know, that issue in immigration, they've sort of been willing to give in on, but says, okay, I'll put, I'll put aside the other stuff. A lot depends on how Biden behaves. I'll put aside the other stuff that's controversial. Let's just legalize the dreamers. Does every Republican oppose that? I really don't know the answer, but I think those are the kinds of, there'll be a lot of moments from January 20th on, from really from now on though, where we'll see. I think the initial uh, uh, my uh, one's initial my initial take on sort of their behavior has been mildly negative so far, but you know again we're, we're less than a week from the election. I think George will be interesting. Does do Leffler and no, Purdue run as all in Trumpy Republicans, or do they have a little bit, especially Purdue, of a kind of look? I voted for Trump. I think there may have been problems, but here in Georgia, the Republican governor and lieutenant governor say it's sort of okay. And so let's talk about the future. You need to be there to check Joe Biden. That's really important to me. I mean, do, do they run as implicitly or explicitly accepting a Biden presidency in the two months now until the Georgia runoff, or are they still litigating Donald Trump's ridiculous uh, claims. That would be an interesting little tip off, I think. Well, also the, the whole issue with the vaccine, by the way, this is the big story this morning that we have uh, a, perhaps a breakthrough with the, with the vaccine, whether or not that becomes tribalized, probably. Um, interesting, the, d- the debate that already broke out was, well, is, d- d- should Donald Trump get credit for this because of Operation Warp Speed, as a lot of people have pointed out? They weren't technically part of Operation Warp Speed. That They didn't actually... Which which is the company? I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. Pfizer. Pfizer. Pfizer didn't take any money from the government, which is inter- is is interesting. But one of the tells how this is playing in Trump world is Don Jr. is very 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 unhappy that this news is breaking after the election. He thinks this was part of a conspiracy of some kind. And you know that it, like if you're Donald Trump, you're sitting in the White House and you're going, ah, oh, you know. The, Wall Street is up. Dow is up by sixteen hundred points, and and now they they have a vaccine. I'm expecting that he's going to lash out in some way. I I think we haven't we haven't plumbed the depths of the ugly in terms of what he's going to do. 
I'm, ultimately, I don't think it's going to make a difference. But but yeah, in terms of the the you know forgiving and forgetting, I, I I don't I don't think we've gone through the full cycle because we know some we, look we Donald Trump we know who he is. I mean, I'm all forgiving anybody who apologizes for their roles in this stuff, but that's just nah. never going to happen, right? No. You're not going to, nobody's going to step up and say, boy, you know what? I stuck by that guy because I was hoping for the best, but it turns out he was a really bad leader. That's not going to happen. There's not anybody in Republican world is going to do that. And, you know, if I could push back against Bill sure. and Sarah here a little bit, uh, the idea that you can't, that, that people have short memories and what I, I just don't, by that because a he's not going away right it's a short memory if somebody disappears and recedes into the rearview mirror but he's got his 94 million twitter followers and he has an entire news ecosystem from youtube to fox to oan which is going to continue to plump him and basically take you know fox daytime has has inched away from him but fox primetime has not it'll be very interesting to watch what the fox primetime lineup does this week and the ability to of, of these people to live in a totally alternate reality has been really shown by COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, you got 40% of the Republican Party who has basically acted like COVID doesn't exist and it's a hoax. If you just look at the polling numbers on mask usage, right? And like 40% of Republican respondents are like, no, I don't use no mask. Like that's, it's just a different world. And I just don't see any reason to believe that he's not going to be able to take some very large percentage of that party and which will probably amount to somewhere like 25 or 30 million people 30 25 or 35 million voters into an alternate reality with him and uh and that could be really dangerous especially on the covid stuff where you yeah. have to, i mean so much of public health is getting the citizenry to buy into behavioral changes because you cannot police mask usage that's just not practical. Right? You know, 330 million people, you cannot have cops running around saying, you put your mask on, you put your mask on. This has to be a thing that everybody just agrees that, hey, we all have to do this. And, you know, like he's already politicized this. He's going to continue to politicize it. He can, he can literally be responsible for the deaths of more Americans, even once he's out of office. You know, it's funny you say that because I was listening to a doctor on one of the cable channels last night and he was talking about what needed to be happen, what needed to happen to prevent the death of hundreds of thousands of more Americans. And he was saying, well, we have to, you know, get together. We have to, you know, use masks and a variety of things. And as I'm walking along listening to this, I'm going, and that will never happen. That is not ever going to happen. There is no chance that 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 those things will will take place between now and January 20th. So that is that is the that is the danger. I'm sorry, Sarah, you wanted to jump in? Well, well, only to say this, that I, look, stipulated that Donald Trump can continue to be very dangerous and that, that he will have every incentive to flex whatever power he can through the media to continue to try to have his hold on the party. But I think my thinking is, and I, I guess I'm perhaps being overly optimistic, but like reality is a thing. Like reality does matter. And and what Biden does and this, I just agree with Bill on this, that you know, if what Biden focuses on uh, in the first, you know, six to 12 months of his administration is, you know, getting and distributing a, a vaccine, um, you know, people's lives appreciably improve. Um, and, you know, we go back to work, we all get out of our basements. And like, why isn't, why isn't the, why, why isn't there a scenario in which people more and more just as time goes on and people get better and, and they start to look at the, those who continue to shout, oh, this was a stolen election, start to look more and more like cranks and they're kind of rejected by 
uh, just the mainstream of this country. Mm, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Okay, I did. I, Sarah, I, seventy million yeah. people just said that they wanted four more years of Trump. See, but that's different. Yeah. And this is JBL. This goes to a central disagreement that you and I always have, which is the difference between Donald Trump's hardcore MAGA base, people who show up for the rallies, people who are out there right now protesting and saying that they're cheating, and all of the people who basically have you know a de minimis amount of information and just say, you know what? Actually, even with this virus, like. I don't trust those Democrats to handle things. And I'm really nervous about, you know, AOC and the socialist wing of the party. And actually, I mean, this is one of the things that that I think is crazy, but interesting, which is that a lot of people, right? So 60% of the country think, thinks that things were on the wrong track. But if you ask them if their individual lives or economic situation had improved, um, you know, a majority of people did say that it had. And I think that there was a lot to be said for that first stimulus check, which came with his name on it. You know, there was there are a lot of reasons why people might have voted for him, but that doesn't mean that they are going to stick with him as he begins to look more and more pathetic and off the reservation as the rest of the world moves forward. JVO. I, to me, what you just said is, look, see, these people were already living in an alternate reality. And so, like, I mean, they were, they were literally living in an alternate reality where they, well, I got this stimulus check with the guy's name on it. So that means that he was taking care of us. You know, I, I yeah, it just seems they're so low information. He will, he will not have those levers of government. He will not have those. He won't have the same bully pulpit. Like you'll have to live in his media ecosystem for him to continue to be, uh, you know, well, they will. And, and and that is possible. I mean, the, the media ecosystem that exists now is dramatically bigger and more toxic than it was four yeah. years ago. Facebook um, isn't and, going away. YouTube it, isn't going away. Right. And, and, and was, you know, and you ran through some of them, JVL, you know, people are still focused on Fox News. It, it's it's we're past Fox News. This is not Breitbart Fox News world anymore. This is OAN. This is Newsmax. This is YouTube. This is uh, you know Facebook and all of those folks. OK, just I'm going to shift just a little bit, because another thing that struck me yesterday was somebody ran a little montage of past concession speeches, starting with Jimmy Carter and going through George H.W. Bush and um, John McCain. And really, they were remarkably gracious and they were remarkably eloquent and they were important. Um, even even Hillary Clinton's uh, comments. It strikes me as looking at right now at conservative media it's it's only been you know what four years or so, but the entire culture has changed so much that it seems like we've redefined gracious concession as some sort of a, a, a political sin, you know that that you you have to fight till the bitter bitter end, and that whole culture seems to have been rejected. So that when you see a comment by Mitt Romney or George W. Bush. It feels very anachronistic for the modern Republican Party. So if we ever wondered how much would Trumpism change and damage the culture of American politics, this is pretty much a, a, an example of it, that there's not a huge upwelling of Republicans who are saying, you know what? We lost this election. This is what the Constitution is about. Democratic transfer of power. We need to recognize, you know, that value. You're not seeing much of that at all. And that's really kind of extraordinary. And I think it's going to come maybe, but it's, maybe that's naive at this point. 
It's not coming. I, you know, I, I last week I went back and looked at Al Gore's concession speech. Because it's the closest analog, right, to one yeah. side feeling like they were really, like, legitimately robbed, right? Yeah. Which is how many of the Republicans are talking about this. And Al Gore's concession speech was really, really good. It's shot uh, along all of yeah. those vectors. And that is not coming back this way. You know, I, I thought actually it would have been a great troll for George W. Bush not to release his statement as a statement. But to, in fact, like come up before the Bush library podium and essentially give the concession speech for the Republican Party, mm. that would have been amazing. <laughs> no, that, that would have been. OK, so I actually heard uh, an interview with Joe Lieberman last night. He was talking about uh, that that concession in 2000 and that even after Bush versus Gore came down from the Supreme Court, there were lawyers around Gore saying, you know, you can still litigate this. You can go back to the Florida courts, you know, and, you know, keep uh, keep pushing this. And apparently he thought about it for a while. And so Gore calls Lieberman and he says, what do you think? And Lieberman says, well, as the former attorney general of Connecticut, I think anytime you've got a shot, you know, at winning in court, you might as well take the shot. And he, he said, uh, so that's what he told Gore. Gore calls him back an hour later and says, you know what? I'm not going to do it. It's got to come to an end. We're up against the deadline of the of the Electoral College, and I'm going to concede. And it's like, wow. OK, um, uh, an interesting moment of statesmanship from a guy that we were never fans of him. But we're we're in a kind of a post statesmanship moment. But again, this is the co contrast. I'm, I'm I don't disagree with what you're saying here, but. I really was struck over the last 48 hours by just the contrast of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And we can't be the only ones to see it. I understand that our point of view maybe is a little bit skewed. But how does America not look at, you know, Joe Biden, you know, calling the country together and the petulant whining and, you know, all caps tweets of Donald Trump and not think, yeah, I'd rather go with that. I do think that's going to do damage to Trump's standing. Obviously, I think there's only a slight difference between JVL and Sarah on this because JVL, you're talking about the hard, hardcore Trumpists who will never let go. So the question is, is there is is there a you know a, some part of that 71 million that is sort of has these vestigial memories of what it was like to live in an America where we weren't completely insane. You know, currently, um, I mean, one way to sort of test this proposition going forward and right now is there are people in between, so to speak, Trump and the 71 million. So there are Republican elected officials who've mostly been quiet and sort of timid, but there are Republican concession speeches. I haven't looked at them. So this is a genuine question. What did Martha, Mc I guess Martha McSally probably hasn't conceded yet because Arizona is in, you know, in, in question, I guess still Cory Gardner, Maybe he doesn't count because he was never that Trumpy, but there are plenty of congressional candidates who lost close races here in Virginia. Seven, uh, Abigail Spanberger held on. I'm curious, and this is like be a little project to kind of go look. Do those people sound more like a normal, so to speak, concession speech, or are they in Trump world? I don't. I do doubt the results. I'm. I'm going to continue. The fight continues, and and I don't accept the you know these results, and we'll come back at them as soon as we can. And meanwhile, we've got to organize a Tea Party to oppose them. Uh, and then what about, uh, you're talking about the COVID thing. There are, I mean, what does Ron DeSantis, does Ron DeSantis cooperate with the Biden administration in uh, public health measures and in the distribution of the vaccine? It's not like the federal government can personally distribute this vaccine. And other measures in Florida, does Abbott in Texas, does Christy Nome in South Dakota? So there'll be a lot of in-between steps, and the truth will probably be somewhere in between, you know, in terms of cooperation versus total alternate reality 
trying to sort of uh, not let Biden succeed. I do think COVID, though, I slightly disagree with JVL on this, is the strongest issue for Biden. That is the one that's hardest for Republicans to say, we're fighting some bitter last-ditch fight uh, when people are dying. I mean, I think they can fight on other issues, but that one, I, if, if Biden focuses on that, which he seems to be doing, that's what he's doing today, for the first few months of his administration, if he puts off some things he promised he would do on day one, climate change and maybe some other more liberal things, uh, more divisive things, and says, you know what, this is such an emergency, but such an opportunity with the vaccine, this is it. The first 90 days is all public health, public health, public health, plus a little economic stimulus. He could get off to a start that almost forces or induces Republicans, some Republicans, more Republicans than one might otherwise think to cooperate with him. Yeah. And can I just say one other thing that's going to happen even before Biden takes office, right? So yeah, Trump is still, uh, you know, he's still uh, exploiting this gray area a little bit, right? Where we're je- results are still trickling in. It's clear it's close in a bunch of places, but here's what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Like I'm all for, yeah, okay, go to court. Fine. Count every legal vote. Great. Well, you know what those like Trump is saying legal vote. His dog whistle is to try to suggest that the mail-in votes are illegal, but they're not. And they're being counted. And so here, here's what's going to happen. He's going to lose in court a bunch of times. He's already lost every single challenge that they've raised. They're going to lose the rest of them because none of them are real and good. He's going to lose the recounts. The recounts are going to come back. We all know that recounts don't change very much, maybe a couple hundred. Well, the margins are far outside of that. It's not as close as Florida. It's not that kind of nail biter. It's close, but not that close. So I do think that as it becomes clearer and clearer over time that this is that he's tilting at windmills, that that will change some something of the you know, his just like screaming fraud. He'll continue to scream it, of course, but like reality will intervene to some degree. Yeah, the, the the court process may be annoying, but it, it may actually end up that way, that you actually create a court record that says, yeah, no, none of this no, stuff. Nobody happened. believes any of that stuff. Nobody's going to follow any of that. If I had told you on March 12 that on election day, we'd have a quarter million Americans dead from COVID. What what do you think the general state of alarm will be mm-hmm. in this country about it? We all would have said, well, holy crap, the president will be polling at 25 percent and uh, we will be talking about this like it is uh, World War Three. And instead, he, you know, increased his vote share. I mean, th- this, I, you know, I we're we, you guys no. are all thinking much too logically and much too as if the old politics still matters where people wanted their elected officials to deliver policies to them. (laughs) And that is not what this incarnation of the Republican Party wants. This incarnation of the Republican Party is is psychotherapy. And it is what they simply want to have their emotions validated. And so for them, the win is resisting the election and claiming that Biden is illegitimate. That is the win. So in in order to predict, if you just sort of do the the mental process of thinking, what is the worst possible behavior Republicans could engage in over the next several months? That's probably going to be predictive. What it right is what is what is the worst, what is the worst, least responsible, most reckless um behavior that they could adopt? And that's probably what they will do. I don't know. Um Kay, could we just go back to wallowing in the fact that Don, Donald Trump is going to be not be president again? Could we just People, could we do this? Could we just have a like, just like, we just hold hands and go, guys, look, let's look, 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 you know, make eye contact here. He's not going to be president on, you know, noon, January 20th. He's going to have to do the walk of defeat someplace. 
Okay. So that was the mood, at least that we had on Saturday night, people. So we pulled everybody together. I don't know what you guys were doing on Saturday night. The whole Bulwark family got together on a special live stream for our Bulwark Plus members. And we had a great conversation. And at the very end, I asked everyone just to sum up where they're at. And so it's not just JVL. It's Mona, Amanda Carpenter, Jim Swift, Sonny Bunch, Tim Miller, Bill Crystal, and me. And this is in real time. This is like an historic document. And me. And, me. and, and, and Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Of course. In fact, you're the one who gave me goosebumps. So, uh, and everybody was there. So, um, and this was, this was much, this was much rawer on Saturday night than I think we are on Monday morning because we're kind of waking up and going, you know, I don't know, maybe it wasn't as, as fantastic, but, um, this runs about 11 minutes and it's very much worth, worth your time. Americans should be proud of themselves because what, what we did together was not easy and it was not foredained. Uh, we have seen all across Eastern Europe and even creeping into Western Europe, movements which come in and destroy democracies. Uh, that does not mean that we have finished this fight for forever, but we finished it for right now. And it's really, it's really good. And so we should savor that and enjoy it. And then on Monday, get to work building back better. Mona. Well, um, I will pick up on what JVL said um, because, you know, I, I spent most of my life really irritated with the kinds of people who were always worried about imminent fascism in America. And, you know, I always thought they were exaggerating and not appreciating the virtues of this country and so on. But during the last few years, um, I have come to really have doubts about this country and about whether we were resilient enough to... Um, to resist that that path of the nationalist and the uh, and you know the authoritarian urge, and uh, I have to say uh, the idea that it can happen here suddenly became realistic. And right now, thank God we have moved in the other direction. You know there will still be a lot of work to do to make sure we stay on the right path. But if we had taken the other route, I really don't know where we would have been. And so I, I feel like we got our country back tonight. Oh, I, I, you know, that was the phrase that was actually running in my head to say, Mona, you were, I, and that's why I was talking about when I saw those American flags, like, at least we got it. Okay, so yeah. Sarah Longwell, last comments. La last word on this amazing day. There is nobody that I would rather be in a foxhole with than you guys. I mean, the people in the chat, I mean, the people who are on the panel, um, and uh, everybody should be proud. You don't get to save democracy every day. You don't get that chance. It was awesome. And I appreciate everything everybody did. Damn, give me goosebumps there. Tim Miller. I just want to say this, that Donald Trump is a miserable prick with no redeeming <laughs> qualities whatsoever, not a single redeeming quality. But he gave me, at least, and I hope some of you like a little gift um, five years ago, and he helped me clarify what is important about about our politics and our country and my life. And um, and so that, that was that was 
that's something that is, that is going to stick with me. And I think that that is marvelous. And so I'm just, I, I, I'm happy that we were able to have this moment tonight. And I'm also, uh, we haven't mentioned uh, my friend, Olivia Troy and Elizabeth Newman and Alex Vinman and Miles and all those guys. I mean, Alex, Alex sitting there in front of Congress and talking about how, about what right, right is in this country. And, and the fact that there were a lot of people that, that didn't, didn't step forward when they could. I'm just, I'm just so grateful for all of them. And, and I was so moved. I talked to Olivia earlier today and, and she was, she was a fighter, man. So I'm just so grateful for all of them too. Bill Crystal. No, I think so. These are all been such eloquent statements. I guess it just sort of reminded of the contingency of things, which is good in the sense that uh, one can make more difference than one expects sometimes. Often one fails and makes less difference. But you know, the fact that Biden, uh, I mean, uh, loses the first three primaries badly or caucus and primaries, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and then is saved by Jim Clyburn and by African-American voters in South Carolina. We tried to do our little bit then to help him and uh, gets the nomination easily and then wins this pretty close election. Um, but just our own efforts, I was thinking about this. We, I think we were fighting the good fight and I've enjoyed fantastically fighting it with you guys and with everyone else, many people watching and many other friends, allies and new allies, old allies. It's been, it's been really a wonderful experience, I, I will say personally, but uh, it's not like it was all su one success after another, right? It was, you know, the Mueller report, we were gonna defend Mueller, but that's gonna be such a decisive moment, uh, not so much. We're gonna find a Republican ch uh, challenger to Trump and really, you know, force, you know, at least some confrontation within the Republican party. That didn't go so great. So and then we and then luckily we got Joe Biden as the nominee, which we played a tiny role in, and and he ran a very good campaign, and and we were able to help him, I think, in some maybe decisive way on the margin. So, you know, you just never know with history, right? It's so strange. I mean, one things things go one way or the other. But I also do want to say the point, point about Alex Vindman and others. I mean, a lot of people really boast the occasion. And if you were losing faith in America, losing faith in humanity, yeah. losing faith in uh, oh, the older yeah. generation or the younger generation, awful lot of, you know, uh, a lot of courage, you know, a lot of courage and a lot of uh, people stepping up. And, and so that that's heartening for the future, I think. Yeah, you know, Bill. I have we, one last final thought that I didn't get to say. I love Bill Crystal. I fucking oh, love Bill Crystal. Right. And so thank you for doing this. I really appreciate that. And since with Tim Miller, you know, if he doesn't love you, he'll just call you the most miserable prick who ever lived. If you want to be on the good side of Tim Miller, that's my, that's right. That's what I take away from this. So Bill, I mean, you, you point out, we don't always get what we want. We've been through so many disappointments, so many, and, and, and yet here we are tonight. And, and that's why we need to, you know, we, we, we get our country back. So Jim Swift, got some final thoughts? Yeah, I think the I think the seeds of what we saw come to fruition tonight have been there for years. And one of the things that I have thought about constantly since I met Sarah Longwell and since we relaunched the Bulwark and and she and Tim created uh, and Bill uh, Arvad and RRL and all these other uh, great groups was I got pulled aside last Thanksgiving by a family member who knew that I was a never Trumper and you know. Uh, knew that I had, you know, been a weekly standard guy and was just, you know, full bore, never Trumper. And he goes, I can't tell anyone this, but there's no way I can do this again. There's no way I'm voting for this guy. And uh, it, Bill mentioned rising to the occasion. Uh, I think everyone here on this call rose to the occasion. I know it's kind of, you know, self-congratulation, but uh, it took a lot of hard work 
um, from people at the Bulwark, at RVET, at RRL, and other things to create this kind of sense of agency and acceptance uh, for, for people to, uh, to, to make this decision, to, 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 to put down tribalism and, and, put, and put their country over their party. And uh, it was not hard, it was not easy. Uh, it was actually quite hard, uh, especially in the early days. Uh, and uh, that hard work all really paid off. And I can't tell you how many people uh, I grew up with, like people who lived down the street from me, who I knew were liberals. But you know, you know, there's a, it was my buddy's mom are, are reaching out saying like, "Oh, I just discovered you work for the Bulwark. I love the Bulwark," and "Oh my gosh, Arvat, Arvat is great. You know, these videos are great." And so, it was a lot of hard work, and uh, I'm just extremely proud of uh, what we all accomplished. Amanda Carpenter. I think over the past few days, we knew how close our country was to falling off the edge. And we can imagine how much worse of a position we could be in if it didn't go this way. And I never want to be that scared for the country again. I don't think anybody does. And the only reason it didn't go the wrong way is because so many people were willing to take risks to watch the weekly standard get blown up and start a new thing, to walk away from their jobs, walk away from their former networks and say, is there something new out there? And to meet with new people. I've made so many new friends, people I never thought I would be in the same room with. Um, and not because I was willing to go there, but also because they were willing to meet with me. And so it was a two-way street. And I know we have a lot of liberal readers who are willing to hear us. And so that is really something special, um, something that needs to be preserved and is part of the new decency and respect, I hope, that is ushering into this new era. So let's keep that. Sunny Bunch. Uh, I, I can't believe I have to be the optimistic one here, but I, my big takeaway from the <laughs> four years is that the system worked. The courts kept the, the, the most of Trump's bullshit at bay. Um, uh, the Democrats nominated a center-left candidate that was able to attract enough center-right support to defeat uh, the bad person. I, I like, I, I, my big takeaway from the Trump era is at the end of the day, a would-be autocrat was not able to do the things he wanted to do. And that's great. So three cheers to America. Can I say something about Charlie since Charlie is the one who's asking others to speak? And uh, I think we all feel that he is a daily dose of good sense, sanity, brilliance, charm, and uh, cannot live without the daily Bulwark podcast. And so thank you, Charlie, for- Our daily therapy. Oh, it really is. It's kept it's kept us sane throughout this whole time. Thank okay. you, thank you, thank you. Hey, you thank you for the kind <laughs> words. Where do I go for the therapy, though? That's that's the fun. <laughs> anyway. Thank you all for joining us for the Bulwark live stream. It's been an extraordinary day, and, and I can't emphasize enough how grateful we are for all of you who supported us. Because what we're doing right now is this is how we got to this moment. People like you supporting us. Many of you were never going to be on the same team as us until the last several years. This is the remarkable thing. Amanda mentioned that she's, you know, had relationships that she never would have had before. Every one of us knows exactly what that experience is. And when Tim talks about 
the way in which our lives have changed because Donald Trump forced us to ask these questions that we never asked. And the point that Mona made about, I felt today that I really got the country back again. I know that sounds corny, but this was what was at stake. Did I actually understand what America was? And we hear that line, you know, this is not who we are. We are better than this. And the voice in my head was, are we? Are we really better than this? And I think today we got kind of the sense that maybe we are better than this. And thank you for joining us and thank you for your support. And we're gonna keep the fight going. Thank you and congratulations. Thank you all. Because what a fucking night. We did what it. What a night. What a night. What a night. Yay. So that was Saturday night. It is now Monday morning. Thanks for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again.